Glad to have you along on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. It's always a pleasure for us to get together, friend, and just talk about a variety of topics. We can talk about gardening, which we did last week. We can talk to musical entertainers. We can talk to pastors. Oh, by the way, two pastors are here right now. So why don't we talk to them? We have Rufus Smith, senior pastor at Hope Presbyterian, and also Tom Lindbergh, Senior Pastor at First Assembly of God. Gentlemen, good to see you. How are you doing? Byron, I am doing very well, and it's always good to be with my friend and neighbor, Rufus Smith. So I'm glad to be here at uh, Bot Radio Network, WCRV. You know, it's interesting that we have you guys together. This is the aftermath of Sunday service for both you guys. I would think Monday would be your day just to totally crash, you know? I mean, not even see the light, possibly. Just find a place and sleep, rest. Because preaching can be tiring. I remember as a young Bible college student, a friend of mine said, come preach some Sunday morning. I probably studied probably 40 hours to have about a 15-minute message. But I felt like I'd been working in the hay fields all day when I got through, you know? How do you guys rebound after Sundays? Well, thank God for Mondays. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, Monday is normally a recuperative day. More than the physical energy of preaching, as you mentioned, it's the mental energy of preaching as well. I would uh, replicate what Rufus just said. I've never taken Mondays off in all my years of ministry because it's a day to wrap up loose ends from Sunday. Um, the other thing what I do is I figure if I take Monday off, I'm not at my best for my wife. And so what I tell my wife, Sandy, is this. I said, Sunday is King's Day. And Thursday is Queen's Day. And so I take Thursdays off, and I tell her, this is Queen's Day, and whatever you want to do on Queen's Day, this is your day that you have me. I like that. You have a similar obligation to your spouse? No, but after she hears this, uh, I probably will have to You're have stuck, one. You've you got right. a new Queen's yeah, Day coming, right. Rufus. you got yeah, one. That's for sure. So uh, we just invert that for Mondays. Mondays is that day is sort of my honey-do list as well, totally. where I could just have some downtime. But I like the way you phrased that. King's Day and Queen's Day. Yeah. I want to back up one second and just thank you, Rufus, for standing strong on MLK 50, the conference that was mm. down at the convention center. Mm-hmm. I was there on the front row when you were delivering the word that God had given you to share. Yes, sir. And mm-hmm. man, was it powerful. You had that place moving a lot of more than a lot of speakers did there, I have to say. Well, you're kind. To God be the glory. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. What did that mean for you? That was a special time being the 50th anniversary, of course. Yes. assassination of Dr. King here in our city. What did it mean for you to be there with that gathering there? Well, it had particular meaning because, Byron, quite frankly, we had um, factions of um, churchmen, denominations, that would not normally come together. And so ERLC, Gospel Coalition, African-American pastors here in Memphis, uh, which would not be a normal alliance, unfortunately, came together for MLK 50 to look at the gospel imperative of justice. And that, to me, was really the crown jewel, just the unity. And then beforehand, coming together and thinking through and planning, um, developed a camaraderie that still lasts and we think will continue to last. So even more than the actual presentation of those two or three days was the work behind the scenes and some of the hard, candid conversations that we need to have in order to have unity in the body. So 
something, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing. I don't want to spend too much time on this because that's not why we're here today, but Mm -hmm. I just want to get your thoughts on this. You kind of mentioned something about we need to remember the bullet, but what about the blessing moving forward? Not get so caught up in the morning and realize that there's a resurrection to celebrate. Correct. I've been in Memphis um, almost eight years now, but even throughout my time coming back and forth from Memphis for the last 20-plus years, uh, in the words of Dr. Eli Morris, who's our senior associate, it seems like um, Memphis has stewed in the assassination. And I was simply saying we have done that, I believe, long enough. Not that we forget it, but it really is time for us to brew in a resurrection yes. and to create a new narrative going forward. Well, as you mentioned in your comments, you're talking about unity coming together. That's really why we're here today, Tom, yes, to talk about Something you reached out to me and shared with me something that started, I guess, about a year ago. About a year ago, right now. You call this Assembly of Hope. Correct. <laughs> which is going to be this coming Sunday night, August the 26th. Is that right? You are correct again, Byron, as normal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's back up a little bit and talk about how this came to be. What well, was the thought I guess this? If, you, if you go back to the genesis of what we're going to do this coming Sunday night at 5.30, it was uh, the summer of 2017, last summer. What I did is um, Rufus and I, our churches, we share a common property line. And not only are we neighbors by way of property, but we are also neighbors by way of our love of Jesus Christ and wanting to see lives transformed. And so he and I were talking, and um, I mentioned, what if we blend our churches together some Sunday evening? And so last year, what we did is we did Assembly of Hope. Uh, We hosted it at our building at First Assembly that year. And then when it came this year, Rufus said, why don't you come over to our house of worship? (laughs) And so that's where it all came about. So we'll do that again this Sunday night, August 26, uh, 5.30 p.m. at uh, Hope Presbyterian Church on Walnut Grove. And, of course, the entire community, we not only will blend our churches together, but we want the community to come as well and just be a part of the time. And, Rufus, Mm -hmm. how long have you been at Hope now? I've been at Hope eight years. Okay. Yes, sir. So, and you've been in Memphis a long time. Mm -hmm. I've been here 23. Okay. So when Rufus came on staff at Hope, how soon after that did you guys first meet? Oh, Rufus, when was that? Um, Um, It was um, probably... Uh, three years, three years after you came? Okay. Yeah. yeah, three years after mm-hmm. you came. Um, I'll tell you where it really came about, if I recall right, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rufus had come, Steve Gaines had come to Bellevue not long before that. Mm-hmm. I knew Steve because Steve's daughter and my daughter were roommates together up at uh, Union University in Jackson. I called Steve one day. I said, Steve, have you met Rufus Smith yet? He said, no, no, I've not. I said, let me set up a lunch. Mm-hmm. And so the three of us had lunch out in Collierville or Germantown, wherever we were. Right. Matters not. We've become friends, all of us, uh, since that time. Obviously, we're all busy pastors, and our paths go different directions. But just because we don't get together, you know, once a month or twice a month, doesn't mean that our hearts don't get together. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We support each other. We just won't allow rivalry to step in and do anything between our churches. Because, Byron, as you know, And as your audience knows, we're more than church builders, we're kingdom builders. And beyond that, our wives have uh, come together as well, and we've gone out to dinner together, which I think is important when you do something like Assembly of Hope. I've always been a proponent 
that before you worship at each other's churches, you should have fellowship in each other's homes. Yes. And so we've had the opportunity to do that, which I think enriches the church fellowship. I'm trying to remember his name, a senator out of Oklahoma. I was up in Washington a couple of years ago, and we were in an interview. I wasn't conducting the interview, but I was listening to him talk. He wrote a book about races coming together, mm. and he said the first place we need to start is putting our feet under the same table, yeah. the dinner Good table, words. You yes. know, the dinner Good table, words. It, to help break some of those tensions and Absolutely. things. So you, you guys found that you had some common interest and some good times together. Absolutely. Last year was uh, well-received by both congregations, enough to do it again. So uh, our people are enthusiastic about it. We also combined choirs. So uh, it will be a combined choir of Hope Presbyterian Church and First Assembly. Tom and I both spoke last year. We'll both speak again this year. The common fellowship of sharing you know, hospitality duties as well. Uh, it was a hit, so we're repeating it. Tom, this really sends a great message to our community. You know, first of all, the fact that you just mentioned that you and Pastor Steve and Rufus here coming together, praying for each other, Mm -hmm. caring about each other, helping not allow there to be walls to build up. Because sometimes Mm. there can become an unhealthy competition among pastors in the city. That's why sometimes you have first, second, third Baptist church. You know, (laughs) among churches, unhealthy (laughs) competition. Can you believe that? Absolutely. No, that that is exactly right. We have collegial respect one for the other among pastors and churches, but it really falls far short of biblical fellowship. And so these kinds of uh, things that we're doing, not only church to church, but uh, spending time with each other, as you said, in dinner and conversation helps us to have true biblical fellowship rather than just, say, a church pulpit swap. Yeah, and Byron, that's exactly the truth of the matter. I remember when Adrian Rogers was living, I would um, go out to lunch with Adrian, and once in a while we'd talk, and we'd say, you know, there are some fine point differences of theology between this church and that church, but if you were to put it on a measurement scale, uh, and I know we're on audio, not on visual, but I've got my fingers up there just maybe a quarter of an inch apart, our differences are that big. Our common core values, and my hands now are about a yard apart, our common core values are that big. And what we do is we choose to focus on all the things we have in common rather than those one, two, three things that are fine points of theology. Uh, A preaching hero of mine is Charles Spurgeon, (laughs) and I read his books regularly, and he talked about people that walk around with a spiritual revolver in their pocket, (laughs) and they quickly want to shoot somebody who just differs with them on the smallest points that really don't make that big of difference. When we get to heaven, the Lord is going to ask, did you love Jesus? Had you received him in your heart? Did you love the brethren? Did you love the sisters? Did you really love to worship? Those are the things that bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Amen. Have you gentlemen discussed or are involved with maybe possibly other venues or ministries together in the city, aside from this worship night on Sunday night, other ways you find your congregations can maybe blend and benefit the city together in the name of Christ? Well, I think you've uh, heard before, Byron, about the Memphis Christian Pastors Network. Uh, The first meeting we had, actually July of 2016, Tom was one of the first persons I called in order for us to uh, pull this off. And so we asked the uh, police director at the time, uh, Director Rollins, and then uh, Bill Odom, the sheriff, Germantown Police Commission, to come as well. And Tom actually spoke at that event. 
as we prayed for them and we asked them how we could help them and told them how they could help us. So the network of Memphis Christian pastors, we also get together and have some candid conversations, pray for each other, and then look to see how we can leverage our respective influences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Feedback. You mentioned that what you did last year worked and both of your congregations enjoyed or appreciated the fact that you came together for this night of worship. Is there any specific things that stand out that maybe somebody commented on or said that they gained from being there that night? I think one of the things that stands out to me is uh, oftentimes, actually, the people in our congregations are ahead of pastors. So some of the comments were so glad, been thinking about this. Um Wish it had happened sooner. Why does this not happen more? We're right next door, and I've never been or here before. Didn't know that you went to the same school. Hey, you work at the same place. Those are the kinds of conversations that happen, and I think we as pastors are so busy. Our people are ahead of us sometimes, so they thoroughly appreciate it. I mean, literally, because you guys are right next door to each other. Right. I mean, it's not like you're... We you know, share a common <laughs> property line. Exactly. His, exactly. his east property line is my west property line. Where... <laughs> what have each of you come to appreciate about each other since you've gotten to know each other, spending time together with your families, is there something that stands out to you, Tom, about Rufus, who he is as a person? Uh, several things. First and foremost, when I think of Rufus, and I've had my, many of my members say the same thing after they met him, heard him when we did Assembly of Hope a year ago, they talked about, well, really two things I'm going to put together in one, his humility and his genuine sincerity. He's a pastor of a leading church here in the city. It's very possible for that to go to one's head. It has not gone to his head whatsoever. And my people, when we did our membership at First Assembly, when we did this a year ago, they were saying, when can we do it again? They began to talk about that was one of the highlight services of the entire 2017 year for us. And then they talked about joining the choirs, the worship praise teams. And then Rufus and I, we team preached a message. I began. He wrapped it up. People just talked about his sincerity, his humility. The membership at First Assembly love Rufus Smith. Pretty complimentary there, Rufus. Well, I'm, I'm glad that that's all they know about me. <laughs> now, <laughs> they knew the real stuff, huh? That. That's right. Uh, with respect to Tom, I, I have always appreciated his, uh, I'll use a big word, sagacity. I mean, he has been walking with the Lord and has life experience as well, has pooled those together. So to be accepting is what he is. Not only is he humble, He's able to, what I've always appreciated about him, he's able to um, maintain the core of his beliefs in the gospel and not get caught up in, as he said, those um, small differences that tend to divide. So he has a big heart of acceptance, which says to me that kingdom is first and everything else is second. Uh, but I have to add his humility but his wisdom and um, being a sage, that's what I look up to him as. Yeah. Is there anything that you have discovered about the way each other does ministry or seen the way you do something in your church that maybe you would like to add or compliment or bring into your church? As you look at the various ministries that each of you have, something that might be good to bring into your church fellowship? That's a good question. I have not given that real thought. I am just rejoicing over the fact that we can come together and I believe as we continue to do that, 
uh, obviously things uh, may come to surface where we could share in some of the things they're doing or vice versa. And, you know, Byron, as I think all three of us here sitting in this room know, hopefully all of our listening audience also knows as well, we never stop growing. I tell our people, don't call yourself a mature Christian if you've been walking with the Lord for a while. Don't use that term. Use the word, I'm a maturing Christian. Mm. Mature Christian gives the implication, I've reached the goal. None of us have. As a matter of fact, I find mature is just a step away from rottenness. Yeah. And so I, don't wanna, I never want to be called a mature Christian. I'm happy to be called a maturing Christian. So can we ever and always be learning Oh, you better believe it. I visited one of the ladies in my church the other day, probably the oldest member of my church. She's 99 years of age, mm. can barely hear thunder. Fortunately, I have a loud voice so she can hear me when I spoke to her in her home. I called her by name and I said, how you been doing? And she says, oh, with excitement. She reached off her bookshelf. She said, I just got this new book by David Jeremiah. I just read it through. She's 99. She said, I just read this book through. Oh, did I profit from it? Here, I need to give it to you. You need to read it too. And I thought, Lord, I don't know that I'll live to be 99, but if I do, let me ever and always have a a mind that wants to expand, a heart that wants to grow, an eagerness for the Lord. Yeah, Amen. That's such a good example, too, <laughs> yeah, as is. we look at each other and let our hearts grow toward each other, you know? Yes. And what we can gain from each other. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It's, there's a value. I think we limit God, don't we, Rufus, if, when we don't step out in that unfamiliar areas. Oh, absolutely. You know, part of what following Jesus is, is leaving where you've been mm. to take steps where you've never been before. Mm. Right And on. that is really what the essence of following really is. I would say one of the other benefits from this uh, Assembly of Hope Fellowship is the organic relationships that some of our people have developed just by meeting each other and worshiping together. They've continued their friendship and social interaction beyond a particular Sunday or weekend in a week. And, you know, that to me is uh, far more uh, fruitful. Our family had a chance several years ago to engage another denomination. We were involved there for a while. And it hurt before entering into that. Oh, they have certain beliefs that, you know, yeah. are not right. All right. But you know what? I never heard that when I went there. <laughs> I never exactly. heard that. Yes, yes. I, I people just, really have stereotypes, don't they, about churches? They do yes. so easy. And people. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know you guys have something you want to see happen on Sunday night, August the 26th. This Sunday night starts at 5.30 p.m. At Hope Assembly. This well, year's yeah, at Hope. At Hope, yes. Yeah, don't, uh-huh. don't, don't go to First Assembly. No, Our doors right. will be locked that night. Yeah. <laughs> What's the message that you're hoping to communicate as you join together? What's the main message you want people to come away with? Well, Tom has agreed. We uh, have started a series, uh, which will last uh, several weeks, called Fan or Follower. So we're asking ourselves as a congregation, am I a fan of Jesus Christ, that is, an enthusiastic bystander, spectator in various areas of life, or am I a follower of Jesus Christ, a growing gracious imitator, And we're looking at various areas of life regarding that. And he has agreed to uh, step into that series with us. So that's uh, in terms of biblical message. We're going to be challenging our congregation on following more closely the Lord in the various areas of life. 
You know, I took my car in for service the other day, and as I drove into the service area of the um, dealership, what they did is they came out, examined my car. One of the men, he took a tire gauge, and he put it in the tread of my car to measure the amount of tread. We measure a lot of things in life. One of the purposes of this is let's measure what's our depth in our relationship with Jesus. What's our depth of our knowledge? You know, when one of the great Old Testament prophets talks about my people are being destroyed, detoured, because they lack knowledge, not knowledge of mathematics and science, Mm. important as those may be, but knowledge of the Lord and knowledge of uh, who we are in him and what we can be in him. So we'll ask people, I'll be examining myself. Rufus will be examining his self. We're not mm-hmm. there to point fingers. Mm-hmm. We're not there to look through a window. We're there to look in a mirror. Amen. Uh, how am I doing in my growth and my depth in the Lord? Am I a fan or a real follower? You know, that came to reality in my life again this summer. I went to Israel for mm-hmm. the first time, and I was standing there at the springs of Hebron, where mm-hmm. it runs into the Jordan River, the beginning right. part there. Right there is Caesarea Philippi is where it is, mm-hmm. and that's where Jesus asked, who do man say that I am? And Peter <laughs> made the confession, you yeah. are the Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a conversation with an Israeli man, <laughs> and we had just a great connection talking, and he asked me, are you a Christ follower? Wow. <laughs> he didn't ask me, was I a Christian? Yeah, that's right. Are, are you yeah. a Christ follower? Yes. Just for a split second, yes, I am a Christ follower. Yes. And it began, you know, the conversation continued on. But thinking through that, mm. am I really a Christ follower? And it's not just by the words I say. My life needs to reflect that, sure. too. Yes. Making the decision each day. And it doesn't always reflect that, I'm ashamed right. to say. Yes. There's some moments in my life, if you looked at it, you'll say, that guy's not a Christ follower, right. you know? Yes. Thankful for the grace, thankful Mm -hmm. for what the forgiveness that we continue to receive in Christ. Well, this is really exciting, and our listeners need to mark down. I know that many of you uh, are already engaged in your personal churches and services on Sunday evening, but if you're not, and if you don't have a, a church home, this would be a great opportunity for you to come and hear Probably some of the greatest music this side of heaven, Yeah, I would say. The music <laughs> last agree. year, people were on their feet more than they were seated. I mean, yes. there was life. There was excitement. There was genuine passion in worship for God. Uh, the, 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 the worship leaders and the singers, they were not fans. They're followers. <laughs> they are followers. And, you know, sometimes I believe that um, people need permission to do what they really know they should do. And so when you see pastors coming together, not just one time, but if and this repeated, mm-hmm. uh, it gives them permission in their own lives uh, to move ahead. So, Does the church still have a relevant message for today's generation? Oh, without question, Byron. You know, the society, the culture in which we live tries to tell us that certain things are obsolete and things are ever and always changing, and many, many things are. But, you know, the sun that um, hangs in the sky, S-U-N, it's mighty old, but without it, we grow up in darkness. Mm. The wind that blows, it's been around a long, long time, but without that wind blowing, there's not cross-pollination, and we don't get vegetables and fruits that we can eat. Water that we drink every day, I've got a little um, bottle of water here in my hand right now. That water is mighty old, but without it, we, we die from thirst. People say, well, the gospel's so old, but it's relevant to today. And I would say, because sometimes people ask that question, and I, I simply remind them, is pain, sorrow, sin, death, 
If those are relevant, then the gospel is still relevant. Yes. It's interesting you say that, Rufus, because one of the questions I had written down is something that Adrian Rogers said. He was in an airport, had in this conversation. Adrian said, you know, man only has three problems, sin, sorrow, and death. Hmm. And all three of those are answered in this book. And the man said, oh, there's no way. He's got a whole lot more problems than that. And he said, well, just think about it. And so he went away. He came back about 20 minutes later. You know, he said, man only has three problems, sin, (laughs) sorrow, and death. And the very book Mm. that communicates the answer to these is the very book that we avoid in our life. That's exactly right. Yes, yes. You know, Byron, uh, the power of the gospel as well. Years ago, this was back in the 30s and 40s, the Moody Church up in Chicago had a very, very famous pastor, Harry Ironside. (laughs) And um, he was one time out in San Francisco. Somebody challenged him to a debate, and they said, we're going to debate the relevance uh, of the gospel, of the Bible. Dr. Ironside said, I'll I'll be happy to uh, accept your um, offer for a debate. But he said, on one condition, he said, to the debate, you bring an alcoholic whose life has been changed by reading a mathematics book. Secondly, bring a woman of the street, a prostitute, whose life has been changed by reading a science book. And then thirdly, bring a person who has embezzled well over $500,000 whose life has been changed by reading some English poetry. He said, you bring those three, and I'll bring people whose life has been changed by this book. And he held up his Bible. And the man said, no, 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 I I, I can't do that. And uh, he said, I can't find those people. Ironside said, I can, because the gospel is omni-relevant. Amen. That's a good word there. Amen. Okay, now, if you guys take up an offering, how will you divide the offering? (laughs) No problema. No problema. Um, Last year, the offering went to uh, Hurricane Harvey uh, victims. Right. And this year is going to go to the Memphis Christian Pastors Network to continue work and fellowship among pastors. And they're doing a great job. I'll tell you what, James Kirkwood, as you both know, is an incredible man. Yes, Yes, sir. The colonel. I love that guy. The colonel. I love that guy so much. And so what a great way to give back to a wonderful organization. Well, again, it's this Sunday night. August 26, mm-hmm. 5.30 p.m. Yes, sir. At Hope Church. At Hope Church, 8500 which, Walnut Grove. Yep, 8500 Walnut Grove Road. Mm-hmm. And how long will it last, you know? Uh, two or three hours. No, no. <laughs> as, as long as there's spirit, but uh, generally about an hour, 15 minutes yeah, or so, Yeah, 7 you think? o'clock. Yeah. I think we'll yeah. be wrapping up yeah. by 7. Mm-hmm. Through this experience, do you guys foresee at all the possibility for us having a citywide worship service where we can meet <laughs> At the FedEx Forum or the Liberty Bowl. Yes. The seeds are, are planted. This is how it happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. I think we should pray toward that. I would join you and join in the chorus of prayers toward that. That would be incredible. Yes, well, sir. Gentlemen, this has been great. Thank you for what you both do for Christ's kingdom in our community. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, my friend. And uh, again, it is called the Assembly of Hope. It's this Sunday night, August 26, 530 p.m at Hope Presbyterian Church located 8500 Walnut Grove Road in Cordova. Guys, appreciate you so much. Thanks for stopping by. Our pleasure. God bless. And God bless WCRV. Amen. Great program. Thanks so much. Well, friends, that's all the time we have today. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Byron Tyler. Bye-bye now.